Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi. Louis. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. I'm very excited. So we're going to do some meditation as your yeah. therapeutic activity. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, amazing. Shall we go? Let's do Off it. You. Thank you, Maud, for joining me. You're so to kick off the episode, I thought that we should do the activity that you chose, which is meditation, which is what you're rooted in. So I'm going to just hand it over to you and take it away. Okay, amazing. So if you're watching us, join in, get yourself into a really comfortable seated position. And I always say just to give yourself a little bit of movement before you settle into your stillness. The world is so busy, there's so much going on at the moment. It's a really nice opportunity to just be with yourself. I think there's so many misconceptions around meditation. And really the essence of what it is, is just a practice of being with yourself. Mm. So I'm just inviting a space for us to kind of go inwards and to kind of check in with how we're feeling, what's happening. So let's do it, let's jump right. in. So get comfortable. You can have your hands in your lap or your hands on your knees, whatever feels most comfortable. Close down your eyes and lengthen through your spine. Take a full inhale. And an exhale through the mouth. Again, like that deep inhale. Exhale through the mouth. And then settle into a natural breath. Switching your focus away from everything in the external world. And slowly begin to observe your internal space. The internal space that is filled with breath. That is filled with physical sensation. And letting all external noises be part of this experience. So if there's distractions, notice the distractions and then come back into your breath. And notice how you're breathing in this moment. So not changing anything to begin with, just simply observing the rise and the fall of the breath. Notice if the breath is rising in the chest or in the belly. 
And then use the awareness of the breath to observe how you're feeling. And from here, we will begin to deepen through the breath. By deepening the breath, we calm the nervous system, which in turn will calm the mind. So we'll take six seconds inhaling through the nose and six seconds exhaling through the nose. So let us exhale to begin. Inhale for one, two, three, four, five, six. Out, two, three, four, five, six. In, two, three, four, five, six. Out, two, three, four, five, six. In, two, three, four, five, six. Out. Two, three, four, five, six. Inhaling and exhaling. Now letting go of the counts, but continuing to deepen through the breath. And noticing as you begin to find that calm balance of the breath, that the body begins to soften and the mind can begin to relax. From here, taking your awareness down to the base of your spine. And imagine like roots of a tree, your awareness growing down into the earth. So really noticing the surface beneath you. Feel yourself grounding down and being supported. And slowly your awareness comes back up through the roots. And gently scan through your body from the base of your spine. Finding softness, softness through the belly. Softness through the breath and the rib cage. Softness through your shoulders, all the way down the arms, into the hands. Soften up the back of the head. Through all the muscles of the face and the jaw. all the way to the top of the head. And from here, bringing your awareness back into the breath, 
Your breath is always your anchor back into the present moment. So anytime your mind wanders, which inevitably it does, by bringing the focus back into the breath, you bring your focus back into the present moment. Take a moment to observe how you feel in this moment. What has shifted? Take a full inhale. Open the mouth, exhale. Just allow these words of wisdom to land through your body. I am bloody brilliant. I am bloody brilliant. And with those words resonating through the body, let gentle movements back to your fingers and your toes. Bring the palms of your hands together, rub your hands to create some warmth, some energy through the body. And then place your hands over your eyes. Soothe your eyelids for a moment. And then flicker the eyes open behind your hands. And take your time to really slowly adjust. First back into your own space. And then when you're ready, back into our collective space. Lovely. How are you feeling? Content. Calmer. Amazing. In the moment. Brilliant. That's the aim. That's <laughs> it, right? It doesn't take that long to like have a quite a big switch in that feeling of just like the fast pace of life into a feeling of being kind of connected to ourselves mm. and grounded and calm. I completely agree. It's really nice. Thank you. You're very welcome. Shall we? Let's do it. Great. Maud, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. I appreciate it. For having me. I'm excited. Well, thank you for leading that meditation. I really, really enjoyed it. As I said, it's so, it's, as you said, it's such a busy world that we live in and it's so nice to take that moment out, even though I actually don't do much meditation, but it's something that I want to get more into. But that was so short, and it's amazing how quick it can help you. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, if you're particularly if you're new to meditation, just five or ten minutes can have such a big impact, particularly in the morning, because I think our like natural impulse these days is wake up, grab our phone, and already we're like, oh my god, I've got 50 emails I haven't responded to, and oh my god, I'm anxious already, and just like having literally what we did, I don't know how five ten minutes can completely calm your nervous system and start you off with like focus, calm, chilled. Yeah. So where did your passion for meditation, but like also mental health come from? So about five years ago, I was, uh, I'd come out of Vikings. I had been an actor for years and I came out the show and then went through a horrible breakup all like in quite quick succession. And I kind of got to a point in my mental health that I was just like, I thought I had everything that would make me happy and mm. I wasn't happy. And then I kind of was in this place where suddenly everything was kind of taken away very quickly and I was like you know what this is an opportunity to kind of dive into really what makes me happy what really is going on with my mental health if there's anything I can do to kind of support myself so I took myself off to a yoga and meditation retreat like the most I think cliche breakup <laughs> story and it was when I started practicing that I was like I feel for the first time in a long time like I didn't I, I hadn't realized how little 
I actually knew how I felt before that. I think I was always like fine and functioning. Mm. And then I started being like, oh, maybe I'm not fine and maybe that's okay. And maybe there's other techniques and tools I can learn to actually support my emotional well-being. So I started doing more and more meditation, took myself off to some quite extreme retreats of doing like lots of silence and hours and hours and hours of meditation. And then I started being like, I think, I can't believe I didn't get educated in this as a kid or in my teenage years. Like, mm. why is this not out there more? Because it's really easy. The principles of it, I'm not saying sitting in silence is always that easy, but the principles of how to do it and how to watch our mental health and how to kind of bring ourselves back into balance are really quite simple. And I think if we had this instilled in us from a much younger age, life would be much more balanced and calm. So then I was like, I need to teach it. I felt like this kind of urgency and then lockdown happened. So everything just kind of spiraled into then creating my business, which is sharing everything I've learned about meditation with as many people as I can reach. Yeah, I think what's really important about probably what you went through coming out of Vikings and then going through that breakup, not only was it a chance to reset, because clearly you reset your life, but also like a, a, a verbal commentary on society in general. I feel like we become too reliant on other people for our happiness and for conversation and everything like that. And actually our relationship with ourselves is very much fragmented and people probably don't know who they are because they're codependent on their partner and they're getting their happiness from other people, their dopamine and things like that, their endorphins. And that's not necessarily, not, not to say it's not right, but I think to be truly happy with someone else, you need to be have a good relationship with yourself right this is huge right now and also phones give us that dopamine hit so mm. again it's something external it's all right? short term yeah it's short term and also it never really fills the hole of like we we kind of i was actually exploring this week this idea of i think society almost like thrives on this feeling of emptiness that like we're constantly having to do more things and to achieve more things and to have more people in our lives and to party more and to do this thing so we're almost like starting from a place of empty and that's celebrated and actually, like what meditation starts to do is to start, as you said, kind of finding a new relationship with yourself and feeling like you're full so that you don't have to have the external people to mm. all the external validation, mm. which acting definitely did for me. It was like constant external need for validation to actually be like, I'm OK as myself. And if I choose to be around other people and I choose to put myself out for external validation, I don't need that for happiness. It becomes a very different relationship. So how old were you when you went through that breakup and came out of Vikings? 30. So, I mean, that's, you know, a significant period of your life that's been complete until you actually found not only your passion, but your new career, Yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, I think, and I think it's really important. I think few of us do this, where we kind of get to our 30s and have a pause to break and ask ourselves, are we actually happy with the thing that we chose when we were younger? Because so many of us go to drama school, go to university, and from like the age of... 18, 19, we think we have to have chosen what we want to do. Mm. And then our 20s, we change and we evolve so much. And then we get to 30 and most people are like, oh, I'm stuck in this thing that I'm not sure I ever consciously chose in the first place. Yeah. And so I know that I was like forced out of it in a kind of brutal way. But And so I had to look at my stuff. But I think it's actually really important. And I teach this a lot at the moment, like how taking a pause away from what you're doing and just reflecting, like, am I the person I was 10 years ago or am I still fulfilled with the same things I was 10 years ago? Because it can be really liberating to realise, actually, no, what do I actually want with my life right now? And, and know that you can change everything at any time. Mm, well, I, that's, but that's a big observation, though. People are 
scared, and I speak for myself as well, are scared of change, yeah. you know, especially at 30. I mean, that's terrifying. Some things, as you say, are out of your control. But when it comes from a career perspective, I feel like many people would be like, well, I've done this now for eight years. I've got the experience. I know what I'm doing, but does it fulfill me? Does it make me happy? And I don't think people are actually willing to take that step. Yeah. I mean, totally. how, how, how do you think we can change perspective on that? Well, I kind of think the opposite. Like, how can you not do that? Because otherwise, for the rest of your life, you're going to be feeling unfulfilled and like a lack of purpose and a lack of energy towards whatever it is that you're doing. And, and I think, like, I never say the answer is everyone quits their job and changes, but like, how can you even find more purpose or more passion in what you're doing or outside of what you're doing so that the thing that the, the job that you're doing doesn't have to fulfill all sides of mm. who you are? But really, I think it's so important to like not be afraid to look inwards and to ask those big questions because ultimately, as you said, finding that relationship with yourself is so important for our happiness. And so otherwise you're just chasing an old version of you and you're never really allowing the evolution to happen and, and a sense of kind of peace in your life. And I also think the fear of doing it is much more scary than the reality of doing mm -hmm. it. And that's what I've realized in my own journey that like I had this huge fear of what if I change and what will the world think of me and what if I fail at this thing and actually the the opposite happened i tried something new i loved it everybody else kind of got on board with the fact that i was just enjoying myself and then that led to me and on top of that you had not only started your new business and no doubt found a whole new world of people that you were accepted and absorbed by yeah. which is really nice yeah find your new tribe i actually yeah. just, i'm writing something at the moment about like finding communities and as you evolve realizing again it's that same thing are the people that are in your life do they fulfill all parts of you or as you evolve can you bring more people in and realize that other people will see different sides of you at different ages and different times of your life what do you think of the word regret i don't i mean i have I used to live quite a lot from places of like feeling like regret i think you can i don't think regret's very healthy i think looking back and thinking i now would have chosen a different path at that time or a different way of behaving in that moment but I think regret holds you in quite a negative internal space and I think more like forgiveness instead of like when you feel that sense of I really regret that just be like you know what I forgive myself for that because I know now I would choose a different thing yeah I think that's a kind of it's healthier like it, it, relationship you, you've learned from it basically it's a lesson in the sense that it happened you can't yeah. change it because that's what I always think about regret as well it's something that you now cannot change but you know full well that the next time that that might happen or something similar you'll make the right decision yeah. right? and I lead think, down the right path. Totally. And I think also if you stay in regret, you stay in the past with it and you almost can't let it go. Whereas if you can see it for what it was and be like, okay, that was a really bad shout and let's never do that again. Then you allow yourself to let it go and then you can become present again. And that's yeah, a healthier way of letting, letting things go in order to move forward. Over the last 20 years, I would say that there's been greater exposure in conversations around mental health. Why do we think that is? I think many reasons. I think because we're exposed to so much more and I think things like social media have kind of allowed people to share their experience and then once you hear somebody else have a similar experience to you, you feel safe enough to do it. And things like, I mean, it happened with the Me Too movement, right? One person said it and then everyone felt they could share their experience. And, and so I think in a way social media has been great for that because actually there's a something that happens when you're when you feel that you're part of something, you don't want to be the first person to step outside of the comfort zone because that's terrifying. Mm. But when you feel like you're part of a collective talking about it, and, and I work in lots of groups and sharing like pretty deep emotional stuff. And it's amazing what happens when you share in a collective space because everyone recognizes a little bit of themselves in each other. 
and therefore we all feel safe enough to to kind of let things out so I think it's really that it's just that we see it more so we feel safe enough to explore it so when you meet someone for example do you always try and or not try but do you try and see the relatability in somebody else or like see where you connect so to speak yeah I'd love I mean I love connecting deeply with people so it's not yeah the relatability and also just seeing parts of our, ourselves I guess yeah. in the other person but I also think that you can kind of find it with everybody in a little in a little way um, but I've also realized in my as I've got older that you're not going to get on with everybody I used to be such a people pleaser mm. in, my, in my 20s and in fact all my teens and all my life until quite recently that I felt like I had to please everybody and be liked by everybody um, so I thought I would find something that connected me to everyone and actually I'm getting more okay with realizing that not everyone's going to like me and I don't have to be really close to everybody else. Um, and that kind of allows you to show up a bit more authentically, I think, in the world. I think I struggle from that still. I mean, so how, what, was, what were the first steps you took to get over that kind of the validating part? You know, you constantly want to please people, right? Especially in the acting world, it's pretty toxic in that regard. But also just in personal life, you know, when you're at the pub and you meet new people, you're sat there thinking, what do they think of me? You know, and you're sat there. How, do you, how have you got over those thoughts? I always think that the external world is a really deep reflection of your internal world and so part of the journey is actually to get okay with yourself and to be in full acceptance of who you are on quite a deep level and then you show up and it's not that I then don't try and connect with everyone I meet because I still love people and I mm. really want deep connections with as many people as I can meet but I get less, I get less afraid of being disliked by somebody else and that puts me in a feeling of m more like a much more comfortable internal feeling I don't know if that makes sense but it, it, it for me that really resonates that I the more comfortable I am in my own skin the less I need somebody else to say you're great yeah 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 um, sure and I just feel like not that I sit here thinking I'm great all the time but I, I I'm okay with myself so it's, in my it's the self-confidence internally where you well not even confidence just acceptance yeah yeah definitely and that we all have our imperfections and like I, yeah. I'm okay with mine just like you can be okay with yours and we can kind of recognize that that we are different in, in those ways so this passion and that this huge life change led to you starting your business can you tell me more about that yes so it's kind of evolving and constantly um in evolution i at school i was diagnosed with dyslexia and the idea of starting a business was like I was never going to do it and one of the lovely things about acting is that you have your agent and your manager and, and your world's kind of penciled out for you a little bit and you don't have to kind of take that much full responsibility so when I started doing the business it was just out of a passion of I really really want people to experience what I felt through meditation which was a kind of coming home to yourself and realizing that that feeling of fullness like that you're actually okay without needing all of this external stuff to validate you so I started doing it much more from a from a place of not understanding how to start a business but just trialing it out and then the more I taught it and the more kind of confident I got with realizing that what I was teaching had an impact on people I was like I really want more and more people to experience this so um, I started doing kind of business training and realizing that there's many ways that you can grow a business and that you don't have to just copy what everyone else does but feeling authentically what feels right so I started kind of building communities and then doing retreats and then I built an app um, and so now there's like lots of different forks in my in my business that I love and now I run a business which is kind of bizarre but amazing I like imagine telling your teenage self that it's amazing yeah how did you find school then like what was that experience like did you feel like you were not guilty as such but 
you would put yourself down because you were told that you had dyslexia, therefore you were not as good as other people. Oh, 100%. I think, you know, as soon as you're told you're not normal in any way, particularly when you're a kid, that's like, oh God, I don't know how to function. I went to a really academic school as a, like a young kid and my brother and sister are like genius level academics, mm -hmm. literally still academics. So yeah. um, coming up as the, like the baby behind them, I was like, this is not going to be an easy life. So I went to a performing arts school and like straight away kind of took the, the opposite approach, which was like, I'm going to entertain everybody instead and, and like not feel the pressure of, of academia. Um, so I think I kind of removed myself from a lot of that like self-deprecation quite young, but I still work through those layers of feeling like I'm not clever enough to do this or you know I don't have the skill set to be able to do this but as I progress and now like I've, I've just signed my first um, publishing deal and I was like one of the things I always wanted to do was to write something but I never felt I had the ability to do it and it was like wow when you actually really find your passion the things that fell off the cards as a kid because you were told you know you have this branding of what you are you can kind of begin to build side doors into it and make your own Way. Yeah, and also people communicate in different ways. You know, I'm sure that your siblings were probably very, very academic in their writing, whereas you going to that performing arts school were able to creatively communicate, yeah. use your body, use your voice and communicate like that. Not to say that they can't do public speaking or whatever, but everyone's got their own way of doing it. And then as soon as you found your passion and your, your career, the, that, that part has probably come quite easy because you know what you're writing about. You've yeah. got confidence in what you're writing about. How amazing would that have been at school to realise like, yeah. there's many different ways to communicate and yeah. actually the way that I think, you know, auditory and visually are the two that we learn at school are normal. But I'm like, a, I realised through doing my yoga training, I'm a kinesthetic learner, meaning like I mm. feel stuff. And so when I like, and that's why acting kind of felt so good because it was like I could feel emotion and I could express it through kind of movement and speech rather than having it so much like... I have to read a book and understand everything that's happening in that moment. In like, it's finding those educational tools, which I hope is kind of filtering into schools now, because it's amazing when you realise your own kind of learning skill and your own style that you can then express. I think it is getting better. It's just that exposure to certain activities and yeah. doing doing those things and just making sure that there's that opportunity. I guess, yeah, yeah. which which is a whole different podcast. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about meditation in general, because what we did there was very much uh, getting into the moment, acceptance, and taking a moment of calm. But there are different types of meditation. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, this is a really good point because so many people try one meditation and they're like, oh, it doesn't work for me, I can't do it. My mind didn't get quiet and therefore I failed and I'm not gonna try that again. But there is so many different ways and avenues into meditation. Um, and as I said at the beginning, the, the whole concept of what meditation is, is just a moment to be with yourself. Um, I worked with a neuroscientist when I first started training because I was like, does the mind ever stop? Like, mm. are we able to completely go into like silence of the mind? And yes, after like hours and hours and hours, you can feel that sense. But the brain ultimately is a thinking machine and your brain is going to wonder, but it's kind of in the brain wondering and then bringing it back into the focus. That is what meditation is. So there's many ways of getting there. You can focus on your breath. You can do different kind of breathing techniques that take you to different kind of feelings. So you can do an energizing breath to bring energy to the body. You can do a really calming breath, a balancing breath to bring you to a state of calm. You can do visualizations. You can do chanting and different affirmations and using words to get you into a meditative state. And you can also do movement meditation. Like lots of people find walking a meditation or doing exercise their own kind of meditation. So 
if you haven't yet tried meditation or you have and it didn't work, there's just so many different paths to kind of keep exploring until you find something that works. I feel like what you're saying as well is this, you can almost define meditation how you want as long as it's a moment of being with yourself. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. Being with yourself and also like getting to know your emotional stuff that's like how you're actually feeling in the moment. I always say when you have awareness of how you feel, you then have much more choice in the world. Because when I speak to people that suffer really badly from anxiety, it's they it's like they don't feel that they have any control of it. It's like the anxiety happens to them and they just have to accept it and deal with it. Whereas when you get the tools to be able to observe what's happening in the body and then you realise, oh, if I breathe a bit differently, I can kind of shift through the anxiety and I don't have to sit in that feeling anymore you feel so much more empowered because you're suddenly like, oh, hang on, I've got this little toolkit that allows me to switch how I'm feeling all the time. So who do you think, for example, with your app and your retreats, who, who's your kind of, not target audience, because that makes it sound too businessy, but, you know, who, who is it that can unlock using meditation? Everybody. Yeah. The sky's the limit. I really do believe. As I said, like, if it could be an education, I think the world would be different. The schools and the, the proof that they start meditation early and people's focus is better. They know how to regulate their nervous systems. I really think everybody. And my clientele is a complete mix of, I mean, teenagers at the moment are suffering with more anxiety than ever before. So mm-hmm. kind of tapping in to, to people as they're starting to kind of get to know their emotional life anyway is really important. But then like my mum's generation who have been really kind of pushing against it, but I now teach a lot of people in their 60s, 70s who have always not wanted to kind of go there to be with them, their own emotions and actually realizing that it, it, it's really good once you try, it's not that scary. So earlier you mentioned different tools that we can use as well to look after ourselves. When you, for example, went through that breakup, did you see a therapist? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And was that where, how you first became, you know, visualization and things like that? Is that when you first started to unlock kind of a meditation? Um, no. Therapy for me was kind of, even before I started the breakup, I'd gone to therapy. I think talking therapy is, is brilliant. I think like it can be such a helpful thing for us to understand ourselves from somebody else's perspective because we're so stuck in our own narrative in our own minds that saying it to somebody else and having somebody reflect back what you are feeling and giving you a kind of roadmap to yourself is so important but meditation has been kind of a different thing for me which is that like talking therapy gets you very much in a mental understanding and then meditation and movement is a really brilliant way of like moving things through the body in a way that I find that talking therapy does do, but in a different in a different way. So what other tools do you use then for your own mental health? Um, yoga, so movement. And um, again, I find that often when we talk about mental health, it's about like talking and analysing. Mm. And actually there's many ways that you can physically move the energy through the body. And they talk about this in lots of Indian and Chinese traditions that actually you, we all have like energy in the body and emotions are energy in motion. And the idea is that like if we move the body, we can untrap the emotions from the body. So actually having a physical practice, whether you're somebody that loves going to the gym or going for nature walks or doing a practice like yoga, you're actually allowing for the body to move that energy and the Mm. emotion. So that I find to be a really powerful thing. Being around water or being around trees. I mean, do you know what? I used to live by the sea and that was amazing what that did for me. Like just waking up and being able to go for a walk and hear the waves. That was very therapeutic for me. And it's also, I think there's like, 
two things. I think there's like a natural rhythm of nature that just calms our nervous system without us knowing and understanding why. But I also think there's something about nature that takes you outside of yourself. So you stop, you're like most of the time when, we're in, when you're in the house, even the actual like structure of it, like you're in the walls, you're in your own kind of internal walls. And then you go out into nature and suddenly the focus is like, oh, I'm something's bigger than me out there. And it kind of opens your mental health up in a way that I think sometimes when we curl up and we want to be in more, it's, you know, it kind of holds us in a heavier space. Well, also there's something about the tranquility of it, because as you mentioned about the kind of the overstimulation that we now have from not only phones, but, you know, you walk down the street, there's billboards, colours everything in it, something in a window, adverts, and it's just, it's overwhelming. Yeah. And like, actually, when you go for a walk, like, as I was saying to you earlier, like, I love just taking my dog for a walk and just, that's it. I know I listen to a podcast. I know there's still a bit of technology going on in there, but that's a moment for me to switch off. And I think that's really nice. And just actually just getting that fresh air is so important. Yeah, totally. Our minds, as you said, they're like, our attention span is something like 15 seconds now. It's outrageous. I know, it's so outrageous. And Finally, that's why, again, I think meditation is so important because not only even if you're struggling in the meditation and even if your mind doesn't get quiet, what you're doing is just telling your brain, like, for this moment, for these 10 minutes that I've set aside, I'm only going to be in my own space, in my own body, with my eyes closed, and I'm not going to see anything else. And I think, like, we just need to kind of retrain our minds. I mean, think back in history. Like, there's never been a time where there's been this much stimulation. Our brains don't quite know how to function with this Mm. yet. And so we have to like retrain ourselves to kind of find and reclaim quietness and space for the brain to work at its best, I think. Well, what, what is it? We are, um, we're developing quicker, uh, sorry, we're developing slower than everything around us that is kind of going, you know, technology, the way that that's going. And we, I don't think we can keep up in terms of the evolution of it. Yeah, I feel like I can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we all feel anxious, right? So it's mm. like, I feel... Post lockdown, I think there was something in lockdown, yes, it was terrifying, and yes, it was not something that we'd all kind of rush back to anytime soon. But there was something about slowing down the pace that allowed us all to kind of reclaim a little bit of what it was like to be slower. Mm. And now we've gone back into life, it feels 15 times faster, I think. And everyone I work with at the moment is feeling like well, the world is like running away with them a little bit in this fast pace. And I think it is so important to, to come back to like a moment of stillness, whether it's nature, whether it's meditation, because you're right, like we can't evolve at that pace. And there's a lot of that kind of like autopilot that you see people going, it's just like everyone's always in a rush to get somewhere, mm-hmm. especially in London. And it's just, it's just relentless, isn't it? Yeah, I went to, where was I recently? I went traveling and my fiance and I were walking and everyone was so slow. We were like trying to like not, not pass people. We're like, God, we're still in London time. Yeah, we yeah, need to yeah. chill the hell out. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So what about routine then? Is that something that's really important to you? Yes and no. I go through kind of peaks and troughs with routine. I think um, it can be really helpful to dedicate yourself to a routine that feels really healthy. But I'm getting more and more into this like flow of following my intuition and also following the seasons that like in the winter months, I kind of want my routine to be really like much slower and go into a bit of hibernation mode. And then as spring comes, I get a bit more energy. And so as long as that you're kind of attuning your routine to how you're, you're feeling and what's kind of changing around you, uh, I think it's important to, to be able to kind of adapt the routine. But I do think routine is good. So what about your sleep then? How's that? Is that important for your, your mental health? Yeah, sleep is, I think the research I think that's my showing, number one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think research is showing that now sleep is is number one because if you don't sleep well everything else is messed up no matter what practices you're doing in your day no matter how much self-love you're giving yourself if you're not sleeping you're, you're just not functioning to your to your best but 
Um, I go again in like peaks with my sleep where sometimes I find it super easy to fall asleep. Other times I need to listen to meditations, really focus on my breath. But I did learn that your body gets nearly as much of a benefit if it's in deep relaxation as it does when you're asleep. So as long as like taking the focus of having to fall asleep, which feels really pressurized when you can't fall asleep Mm. and realizing that if you just like totally relax your body, you're actually still getting the benefits. That helps me sometimes when I'm in that, like, I can't sleep mode. And just, just relax and lie here for a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think it, it's it's almost like I want to use, say I want to use it as a distraction when I'm listening to something when I'm sleeping. But actually, I don't know, it can be the tool that helps me get to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Because I'd rather that than any form of sleeping medication or anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. God, sleep is really the centre of... I think if we could all learn some real amazing sleep magic it would like life would be so much happier everyone would be calmer so one other thing i wanted to touch on is the benefit of meditation for someone with adhd so i actually just got diagnosed with adhd earlier this year at 26 which is kind of like have we missed it but also great at least i've been told but what, what could the benefits be of meditation for someone like that interesting you are I'm literally just creating a course for meditation for ADHD specifically and I have lots of friends who have also recently been diagnosed in their 30s which it's an interesting time that so many people have but it's so important I mean I think I don't know if you've already been told that meditation can be really really helpful for for the ADHD mind but also the things that I've discovered through working with a, a lot of people with ADHD is that it's pretty much impossible to sit in meditation because your mind is so busy um, and but it's interesting it's the same part of the brain that ADHD struggles with that meditation strengthens so it's the frontal cortex mm. and the idea of that is that the frontal cortex is the present part of the brain and so with the ADHD mind often you're kind of thinking about the past or the future and flitting between so many different things and meditation helps you to kind of come into the present moment and so what we were discussing at the beginning about there being so many different ways to do meditation like scrapping the idea that there's one way that you have to be completely in stillness and quiet in the mind and as you kind of progress with meditation while having ADHD it's like actually realizing that that there's no way to get it right but just giving yourself five minutes and another great practice to do is um, breath work Mm. because it almost makes your mind shut up because you've got something so powerful to focus on Um, so yeah, it's really, it's super important because you're literally strengthening that part of the brain that, that you struggle with. with You'll have to let me know when that course is ready. I'd love it's to, um, is it? Yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Let, well, let's chat after. I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to talk about that. What about the word intuition? What does that mean to you? Everything, actually. I, I work with uh, intuition all the time. So intuition for me means that you're following your own path rather than following the external distractions of the world. Um, and I realized that I was really un- unattached to my intuition growing up and I was doing a lot of stuff because I, I thought other people expected it from me or the world expected it, uh, expected it from me. And so intuition for me is like that internal voice that we all have, that gut instinct, that often when we come to decision making, we kind of know it's there, but we often don't listen to and we push it away. And so I really want to, to train people to trust in that internal voice because ultimately there's no right or wrong decisions in life, but there is a right decision for you and for me. And, and the only way to, to know what's right is to listen to it. So I think it's like game changing once you begin to learn to listen to it. So is that, so how do, what, how do you talk to someone who says, oh, what about second guessing my decision when it could be an intuitive decision, but you, you, know, you have that person who's overthinking or is anxious about making that decision? 
then it's not your intuition because what I've learned about intuition is that it's like a gut feeling. It's something that's much deeper than the over analytical mind. And so when you second guess, you've popped back into your head and you've popped back into rationally thinking about mm. something and trying to create the right answer. And actually, if you can redirect your focus even deeper, which I do work a lot with one-to-one -one with people and I'm like, okay, so ask that question again, go into your like gut and the answer always comes. It's like very clear when you, when it's your gut and your intuition speaking, there isn't a second thinking it. It's like, that's the right thing for me. Um, and it, that takes time to train it and to start listening to it as much as you can. And often the brain does come in, but really what I've learned is that intuition doesn't second guess itself. When you're really listening to your intuition, it's pretty clear. So this is a question I ask every guest. What does the word headstrong mean to you? And I'm excited for your answer. Headstrong means to me knowing yourself. I guess it's about intuition and not letting, it's almost like headstrong for me feels the reverse of that, which is like intuition strong. So instead of working all the time from like a strong head, it's almost like learning to let go of the strong mind and come into like a strong intuition. Love that. Really love that. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best with everything going on and I look forward to coming to the ADHD course. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Thank it's you. been so fun. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 